DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah basketball coach Larry Kristoviak. The Utes wrapping up the regular season. They are headed off to the Pac-12 tournament. they got a blowout win over Arizona State, and they will face Washington in the first round of the tournament. Larry joins us now. Larry, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. So I'm curious, uh, there are so many things to ask you, and you know the history of Utah basketball. You're a big part of it now, with about a decade under your belt up there, and you, you played for the Jazz and coached in this part of the country. And I'm curious, obviously the last three years have been hard. They've probably been hard on you and all that, and you're trying to change things. What's the what one or two things you're trying to change about the program to get them back to you know, where you were with DeLon Wright in the NCAA tournament? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, this is an interesting time for us. We're not, we're not thinking long-term here right now. We're trying to get to the Pac-12 tournament and figure out a way to beat Washington. Um, that's where all of our focus is, and, and we're trying to play forward rather than, uh, you know, taking a look back. So, um, you know, maybe end of the season I'd be – better equipped to answer that type of question. But um, I think more importantly is, is staying present. We've, uh, we've played with everybody. We've had nice leads against everybody in our conference, one through 11. Uh, and now we need to bottle it up at a special time of year when everybody heads down to Vegas and see if we can play some consistent basketball and win some games. And then obviously off season, we jump into recruiting and player development, but um Right now, we're we're ready to grind. Larry, you hit the very word that I was going to use, consistent. It's hard for me to give complete and total evaluations for any team this year with COVID being as strange as it was and the in-and-out nature of the season. But nevertheless, games were played, scores were kept, and as I watch your games, really moments and extended moments of brilliance, as you've said. How do you channel that to find that consistency? Because it's clear that the talent is there and stretches to be very good. Yeah, you know, and it's, um, I don't want to talk about, it's not a youth thing, um, but at times that's a part of it. You know, having having some freshmen on the floor that need to be solid. Uh, I just watched, you know, I watched our game at Washington uh, we had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go in the first half, sharing the ball, making great plays. And it really comes down, you know, and I think this time of year I shared it with our guys in pregame on Saturday. Um, sometimes everybody wants to analyze and, and coaches and players and want like one big answer of how do we find more consistency and as I look back on all of these previous games where we lose leads or where you build a 10-point lead, there's always a correlation in that. And it's, it's a matter of doing the proverbial little things more often and consistently than the other team. You know, obviously you have to knock down a shot. You have to make your free throws. But you have to block out on possessions. Back to the Washington point, we had a 12-point lead. And we have three straight possessions um, where we missed good shots, open shots, a couple of layups, actually. And then when you make a decision to jog back on defense because you're carrying some of the offensive frustration with the inability to make that layup, and then they whap down three threes, you know, in the last four minutes heading into 
that's not rocket science. That's just, mm-hmm. let's stick with uh, doing all those little things. It starts with the effort to get back and communicate and be in a stance. And really, that's how most of these games go. If you can find that consistency, regardless of whether you're on offense or defense, to make the right play, make the game the play that the game presents to you. We've had turnover issues at times, and I think those are – uh, from trying to hit home runs when we should probably just be advancing runners and hitting singles. and um, So it's not a mystery to our team. It really isn't because we've, we've had enough sample size. We've had enough data, a lot of the ups and downs. And if there's ever a time to put it together, it's right now. And I think the consistency comes in just being steady and consistent with the approach of the next possession. And that's going to give us a chance to advance and maybe win some games, and that's probably the big key. And when you talk about win some games, does this feel like a good draw for you because you did split with both these teams and you've beaten them both? Well, I think you always have to be careful about that. I mean, that's a fair question. Um, You know, certainly uh, if you look at history, we've struggled with Oregon. We've hit Oregon in the tournament when they seem to be clicking on all cylinders, so knowing that that they're not in the first couple games. I mean, but you have to be careful what you wish for. Um, there's always going to be some teams that put it together at the right time. I think we've got a half a dozen or seven teams that are heading into this Pac-12 tournament that understand the only way they're going to the NCAA tournament is by winning this thing. So, you know, you're going to have different levels of inspiration. You've probably got four or five teams that would just as soon have selection Sunday here so that they don't have to go to Vegas and be in a bubble and risk getting COVID and potentially screwing up their NCAA tournament. So I think it's unlike any other year, there's a lot of moving factors. And, and again, I, you know, not coach speak, but we just got to, we got to see who it is we're playing next. Uh, do a little bit of prep work for USC. Should we beat Washington? and take this baby one step at a time. And then if you're going to get lucky and have a few bounces go your way, hopefully we've earned them, you know, by, by approaching it the right way. And we have an opportunity to get as hot as anybody else does in this league right now, and we're confident that we can do that. I've heard coaches say as far as youth, it's not what you want. Majerus used to say that uh, freshmen were just uh, four years removed from being in the eighth grade. He'd try to put it in perspective there when I was covering him working for the newspaper. And I've heard coaches say you want to get old and you want to stay old. Dave Rose talked about what he called the program players. That wasn't the top-level stars, but they were the role guys who knew exactly what you needed them to do, and then they can execute it. And my thought for you, that's been a little bit of a problem because guys like uh, Gotch and others, when you're getting them in the position where they can really contribute maybe a little bit better than what their talent level is because of their knowledge and experience, they take off. How difficult is it for you and everybody else really in college basketball, because it's not particular to you, but to re-recruit your guys basically so they stay so you can get old? Yeah, I mean, you, that you you, uh, you hit it on the head. You know, I, I, uh, you can't control, you know, what's in people's minds, and we try to deal in truths around here, tell the truth. Uh, you know, I think if if uh, anybody were to interview Booth right now and and know what's going on at Minnesota and the lack of opportunity and different things, everybody makes mistakes. You know, that's undoubtedly a mistake. It was a bad move. Uh, but there's enough people in other people's ears and telling them, you know, 
uh, and it creates disenchantment and guys want to go and try something else. And, and this is a shining example of that not being a good decision. We can't control that. What I, what I feel really fortunate about is that we have uh, a young man in our program named Pella Larson and a young man in our program named Ian Martinez that are freshmen, that are growing, that are cut of the right stuff. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer everything happens for a reason. And if, if somebody doesn't think this is the right place for them, um, you know, then that, that's going to be their decision. But I feel really confident after having been here for 10 years that we're going to continue pushing guys Guys are going to have an ability to reach their potential. Uh, no, no, you're not going to get to play 40 minutes and play a position that you want to play because you think that's your position. We're going to we're going to try to win games and do things uh, with the program as our number one priority, and we will continue to do you know to do that as we uh, move forward. So it's uh, it's a shame the way it is, the way the the game is, but um, we'll just keep grinding. How about that? Yeah. So you mentioned some of the guys on your roster, and you look at your roster, and Ute fans are used to seeing guys from Utah and California and Arizona. And you have guys from Utah and California and Arizona. But Sweden, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Senegal, Jamaica, Finland, uh, are you going to continue to have an international flavor going forward? Are you going to accelerate that a little more? Uh, What are you thinking? No. Well, uh, hey, look, the the world – basketball is uh the world is is figuring it out it's um it's not all soccer anymore and i think when you look at an nba draft and you see 10 to 15 people uh from around the world that nobody's ever heard of and you see some of the successes uh in the nba of these international players there's a it's it's a positive culture in europe you know kids grow up and they're coached and and taught properly there's a high skill level we've got a couple more international kids joining us next year so it's not going to be the only you know it's uh it's part of a program but the the world is is creating and and basketball is is flowing all over and i think we've done a nice job established the niche when you go back to the bogats and the hano medalas and uh, this is a, a really great school for international students. We've got a lot of international students, and I think culturally the city fits a lot of people. So, yeah, we'll continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Utah is very important as well, and certainly the the West, uh, the states you mentioned, California and Arizona, and that that will remain in our, in our, uh, in our grasp, and we're going to keep striving to find the best players that we can. What's Jones's status going to be for the tournament? Uh, well, he's making improvements. We're not not really sure. It's a it's a day to day deal, and we just finished a coaching meeting this morning, and it's improving. But um, you know, there's never going to be any pressure on us, and I think we all know Ryland well enough to know that if he's if he's close, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. Uh, what's been difficult is is keeping him from diving on the floor. You know, when you have a shoulder the way he re-injured it again, there's certain things that are in his in his gene pool and his DNA on loose balls that he uh, you know he gave himself up as an injured player, and that ended up you know torquing his shoulder again. So it's really hard. It's really hard to you know tell a kid not to take a charge and not to dive on the floor. Uh, but you know, we're, we're hoping certainly and praying and, and, uh, you know, trying to keep Ryland in good spirits and 
I'm curious. I haven't had a chance to uh, to visit with them this morning, but we're we're getting ready to do some COVID testing before we head out to Vegas, and I'm hoping that uh, that things have improved a little bit for him. He could be a key ingredient, obviously, for for the success of our team. Anybody who remembers watching you play knows that uh, you were an energetic guy who played with an intense edge. And you didn't, I don't think, you needed many outside motivators to get you to play like that. But I'm curious <laughs> playing in empty gyms. That was an understatement. Nice laugh, right? Uh, but I'm curious playing in empty gyms, and especially, and we had Steve Cleveland on, he brought this up, that it's yes, it's March Madness, but the fans and the energy cascading out of the stands is a big part of the madness. And I'm yeah. wondering how much you're seeing with your own team and with opposing teams, how much you're seeing games impacted by these no crowds or small crowds, because it's it's not the same. It's clearly not the same. And it shouldn't yeah. matter, but it often does. And what are you seeing? Well, I think, number one, there's a little bit more parity. There's, there's probably more road wins. I haven't looked at any data but but I know that we sure could have used the Huntsman Strong and the Faithful to help us get through a couple of those. Uh, you know, the Colorado, the Oregon, the Oregon State, when you kind of need that boost to get you over the top. So it's probably leveled the playing field. I think everybody plays the game um, for a different reason. You know, you mentioned my, my days as a player. For me, basketball was, was an escape from a lot of things that were going on in my life that uh, you could kind of, put on a, a, a different mask and go be something. And, you know, I found a lot of, uh, I found a lot of uh, value because it, it helped me with my identity. Like I was, I was a basketball player and I tried to play like every practice or game was the last one. And, and, you know, I think what you're seeing is if you're, if you're intrinsically motivated and you're playing the game for the right reasons, a lot of, you know, and the crowd does make a difference, but you don't need the crowd to get you going. And I think what it's done is, um, you know, made everybody take a look at themselves for, you know, what, what it is they're playing for. They've got people at home that maybe aren't able to come to a game, maybe it's loved ones that they've lost, whatever the motivation is. And the, the playing field's equal. Both, both teams are lacking that. Even when you're on the road, it's fun to have a you know, there's been some games this year when we've gone on the road, and I miss certain fans. There's fans at Oregon, and there's fans at Arizona that over the ten years you you almost create a relationship with that are, you know, that give you a little something and make you want to be a little better, and and the heckling and the different things. But uh, it's a challenging time for our guys. I, I do think what's great is we've recently added some fans. Uh, you know, there will be a hundred. 100 tickets given for each team at the Pac-12 tournament. So it's not going to be as empty as it was back in November or December. And I think as important as anything is our guys, you know, with the television, it's still, um, this is the time of year. It's magical because it's being watched across the country. And we all, the one thing we all know is that we're getting close to the finish line. You know, the needles are going in people's arms and the days are getting longer and the weathers and the rates are dropping. So I think everybody has a little bit of energy knowing that we persevered and made it through a really tough year. And now is the time of year that you want to be clicking and putting it all together. So there's a, some positive things that are happening, I think, that help um, overcome some of the lack of, of you know, packed arenas. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll find some of that enthusiasm. 
You talk about how you played as it was your last game. It must be in the Kristobiak DNA because I had a neighbor who played at Brighton a couple years ago as a senior, and your son was on that team. And I would go to the games to watch him play, and I'd watch you'd be there, and I'd watch your son. He's much shorter than you, but I love the way the kid played because he played all out on every single possession. So it's clearly something in that DNA with your last name, I guess. How do you get that? to go in some of your guys now who maybe that, that they don't necessarily have it. And I'm not saying that Carlson is a loafer by any stretch, but it looks like he's got a world of talent. Yeah. And how do you get him to just take that mindset that you had when you played? And I saw your kid have it in high school when he played. Well, I think you can coach it to some degree, you know, the, the effort and the edge and, and, um, one one of my favorite sayings with our team is it's really hard to beat somebody that never gives up, and our guys hear that a lot. And I, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, that next play mentality. I think we we watch film so guys can see when they're lacking that. Sometimes you don't know what you look like uh, and how how much more you can bring to the table. Um, you know, and you got to recruit some guys that are like that. It, it's it's. Uh, it's like raising kids, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, raise, raising the son you're talking about, you feel like you have to put the, you have to put the uh, bridle on them a little bit and be pulling them back. And, and I've always said, I would rather have to try to, you know, slow somebody down and get them to withdraw and, and slow down and not play so hard than trying to kick somebody in the butt to get them excited. And it's always a fine line, but I, I do believe that the, as much as the mental skill, uh, is a pay is a part of the game, just like the shooting skill or the passing skill, we're, we're teaching them all those skills while they're here at Utah. But I also believe we can teach them how to grind and, and fight through some tough times. Uh, and that's a process. That's like going in the weight room, tearing your muscles down, and if you come back again when you're really sore, all you're doing is getting stronger. And it's it's not comfortable. It's not fun when you're aching. It's not fun when you're beat up and you're. But same thing goes with the mental aspect. You know, there's some days you don't feel like working. Well, are are you going to come back and and break through some thresholds that maybe you didn't think you could get through before? So that's a skill that we try to we try to improve, and we've got to get dialed in. This is that time of year it, when we lose. Now we're done. And so, um, you know, this is the end of the fight, and let, let's make sure uh, that if we're going down, that we're going to go down swinging. And our, and our players will understand that loud and clear, and the more you can get uh, unified with that thought, I think the better chance you have to win some games. So you mentioned a couple things there about, you know, the mental attitude and all that. And, and I'm curious with your players, you know, it's different with fans because they ride the roller coaster. They have no control over it and they're invested and, you know, they go nuts. There have been some encouraging wins and then just some heartbreaking losses here. Have you had to buck this team up a little bit? Do kids let this stuff roll off their back? How's your team mentally right now? Well, well, I think I think we're okay. Uh, I would be concerned if we were if we were like trying to play darts with the blindfold on, you know, like it, we really don't have any idea what the hell we're doing, and <laughs> let's just go roll the dice and see what happens. But you can watch any one of our games, 
uh, I've watched them multiple times. If you want to watch, you know, okay, we didn't feel good about getting beat at home the other night by Oregon State. Well, guess what? It's not a mystery. If you if you rebound a little bit harder, and we don't give up 24 points uh, on second shots, and you can block out on two missed free throws that they scored baskets on, we probably win. So it, we've got, again, we've got this long movie that we've watched. And, and believe me, we watch film after every game. Our guys watch film when we'll beat Arizona and what it looks like when it's good and what it looks like when it's bad. So going into this, it, this is the talk, uh, talk is cheap kind of year, uh, time of year. You know, the, we can sit down and talk about all of it, or you guys can just bring up your memory banks and know that we've got to do a lot of these elements. You got to take care of the ball. You got to rebound. You got to share it. And guess what? When you, when you're open, you got to make it. And I mean, we've been shooting 90% from the free throw line. The last, if Colorado wasn't about to break uh, the all time NCAA record, we'd be knocking on the door of that. So there's some good things that are happening. Let's just piece it all together. And so our guys aren't suicidal and worried. You know, it's, it's, it's uh it is right before us and if everybody does their part and plays their role and things come together we can be successful so there you know it's it's not one of those seasons where anybody's thrown in the towel and and wants to move on and so i think mentally everybody should be in a pretty safe place right now and we had a really good it was a lot of fun on saturday watching guys that haven't played a lot of minutes go out and do their thing and the guys on the bench unbelievably supportive we recognize some seniors and donnie daniels so you know this isn't a victim time you know this this year's killed a lot of people it's unemployed a lot of people we've just played 19 out of our 20 conference games which i never would have guessed so you know let's say bad for bad that we're, we're going out to play a game in the best time of the year in march madness and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be really disappointed if I found out that anybody on our team is not in a good mental place because uh, th- this, has been, this has been pretty uh, positive and there's been a lot of good things to take. And now let's go, let's go make sure we really have a good taste in our mouth and do this thing the right way. Coaches essentially are teachers at heart. When have you found is the best time to teach the principles that you're trying to get across to your players? Oh, you know what? There's there's opportunities, sometimes hidden little gems. I wouldn't say, you know, obviously when you're going into a team meeting with an agenda, uh, a film session, there's key points that you have to get across. But sometimes it's as simple as in an airport. Um, you know, the the words, the positive things in our culture. We try to we try to keep them alive on a daily practice plan and recognize and and reward and award guys when when things are being done well i i just don't think that you can pick and choose i think those those windows open themselves and there's an opportunity for some teaching along the way sometimes almost in a whisper mode and sometimes in your face mode and um that's one of the coolest parts about this job you know i think players at this level are obviously good basketball players but there's a lot of things you can help teach them about life in general and things that are going to be with them the rest of their life. And, and that's one of the, the, the most rewarding parts when I hear back from the Jordan Leverages and the Brandon Taylors and the DeLon Wrights and those guys, Kyle Kuzma, and they're actually using slogans, mm-hmm. um, 
and you know wanting to be reminded of certain things that we talked about here as inspiration that that's absolutely priceless and so those those opportunities we try to take full advantage of whenever we can Larry we appreciate a few minutes we'll be watching you in the Pac-12 tournament against Washington on Wednesday and we would love to talk to you about some of the big picture stuff so hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the offseason that sounds great guys thanks man